Hi, my name is Jonathan McMeans. I'm one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church. I wanted to let you know that it is our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do this is by posting weekly content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We have a podcast. And I wanted to let you know if this is the first time that you found us, we would love to know that you were here. You could let us know by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out our digital connect card. Again, I'm so glad that you found us and God bless. Behalf, You know, this morning we are in a series called Hope Beyond the Grave, as you can see that title on the screen. If you're new with us, uh, we have been just moving through the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, literally line by line. And so we're going to be finishing up 1 Corinthians here by the end of August. And so I encourage you to come back with us. And if you miss a sermon, you can find that all on YouTube or our Facebook page to stay in, in line with us. But, you know, when I was thinking about this message, started thinking about things within our world that go together. And there's certain things and items we could list out together this morning that, that always seem linked together. For instance, peanut butter and jelly, you know, bacon and eggs, music and dancing, socks and shoes, Houston and humidity, right? They always just go together. How about this one? Democrats and Republicans. They always go together. I didn't say if they get along, I just said they're always linked together. So you could probably fill in some other things in our list that just seem like they're always going together. The problem that the church of Corinth has right now is that there are some Christians around Corinth that say, hey, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. We believe that Jesus Christ came into this world, died on the cross for our sins. They put his body in a tomb and three days later he rose again. We, we believe in that, but we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So pick up with me in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 15, where it says, whether then it was I or they, Paul says, so we preached and so you believed. And last week we talked about that message that Paul preached was the gospel message. And so they say, hey, we preached it, you believed it. But then notice this question in verse 12. Paul says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. So the problem was, there was a lot of Christians in Corinth that were being discipled by the newsmakers of the day. Now, the newsmakers of the day was not your favorite news program that you listened to. The newsmakers of the day were the philosophers of the day. And the philosophers of the day in the Greek and the Roman philosophers really just kind of taught this. They said the, the soul is good, but the body is bad. And so they believed in an afterlife for the soul, but they didn't believe in an afterlife for the body. So that when you died, then your soul went on into eternity to live in bliss. But it made no sense to them why a bad body would ever want to reunite with a good, perfect soul. And so the philosophers of the day, guys like Plato, were teaching that, and that type of teaching was creeping into the church where you had some Christians going, yeah, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but we don't believe in a resurrection of the dead. And Paul says, no, wait one second. That doesn't make logical sense because like peanut butter and jelly and Houston and humidity and Astros and winning and music and dancing, 
Jesus' resurrection, the resurrection of the dead, they go together. They're linked forever together. And so in this series, we've just been asking this question. Is there really hope beyond the grave? Because there's a lot of people that would still believe that, that, you know, your soul goes to be in afterlife, but your body never does. There's a lot of people that even would say this, and I don't know if this is some of you, maybe some of you here, maybe some of you watching online that think, hey, I'm going to live, I'll try to live the best life I possibly can, and then I'll die, and they'll put me in the ground, and that's it. So is there hope beyond the grave? And what Paul's going to do is show you this. He's going to show you, here's what a world looks like if Jesus never came back. If Jesus never rose from the grave, Paul's going to show you, here's what it would look like. First, he says that your message would be meaningless. All right, so if Jesus did not rise from the dead, your message would be meaningless. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. If even we are to be found misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. So Paul's saying this, that your message is meaningless. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the good news of Christianity is really bad news because we've placed our faith and our trust in someone who says, I'm going to die on the cross for your sin, but don't worry, I'm not going to stay dead. Three days later, I'm going to rise again. Without the resurrection of the dead, that message has no power. That message has no hope. That message is empty. And then did you notice what Paul said about you? He said this about you as a Christian. He said, we are even found to be misrepresenting God in verse 15. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. Did you notice that? that? That if Jesus isn't alive today, then you as a Christian, you're a liar. You've been telling a lie. You've been misrepresenting God. Now, you might just sit there and think this, because some of you got that look on your face, and you're like, well, well hang on, Lee, don't call me a liar. You're a preacher. I'm not a preacher. Paul was a preacher. I, I'm not a preacher. But do you know as a Christian, you know as a disciple of Jesus, that you testify in the resurrection of Jesus? I mean, stop and think about it this way. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 tells us this, that when you come and place your faith in Jesus, you're placing your faith in a resurrected Christ. Listen to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Paul says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. How about this part of your testimony? For some of you, just like Emma, you've been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. You then in that baptism said, hey, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that's why I'm getting immersed under the water because I'm saying, hey, here's what Jesus did. He died on the cross. They put him in a tomb. They raised again. But if Jesus is dead, if Jesus is still in a grave in that part of the world, then when you got baptized, you were lying. You were misrepresenting God. 
Because Paul says this in Romans 6, 4 about baptism. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So without the resurrection of Jesus, your message is meaningless. But Paul continues. He says, without the resurrection, now your faith is futile. Your faith is futile. It's empty. Look at what he says in verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. All right, so no resurrection of Jesus. Your faith in Christ is empty. It's worthless. It's futile. There's nothing to hope for. But you notice the back half of that verse? He says, you're still in your sins. That means this, that, that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, but if he's still in a grave, then that, that death, it wasn't effectual for you. He didn't forgive you of your sin. And see, the resurrection is God's amen to what Jesus did on the cross. Right? The resurrection of Jesus, this isn't a trivial part of the story. Right? This isn't just one little fact of Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus holds all things together. I, I love this quote. Billy Graham one time in a Time Magazine article was asked, if you were the enemy of Christianity, what would you aim for doctrinally? And Billy Graham said, if I was an enemy of Christianity, I would aim right at the resurrection because the resurrection is the nail head that holds it all together. See, without the resurrection of Jesus, it all unravels because without the resurrection of Christ, this Jesus who says, I have the power to take your sins away, doesn't have the power to take your sins away because he's still dead. This is a Jesus who said, I have the power to lay my life down and I have the power to take it back up again. Well, if he's still in a grave, he doesn't have that power. That translates out this. There's no resurrection of Jesus. Then all those Old Testament saints like Moses and Elijah and David, place their faith in the Messiah to come. They're not in heaven today. Without the resurrection of Jesus, all those New Testament disciples like Mary and Martha and Elizabeth and Paul and Peter and John, and they're not in heaven today. Let me just bring it a little closer to home to you. Some of you have lost a loved one that was a believer in Jesus Christ. It was a husband, it was a wife, it was a child, it was a friend, it was somebody special and dear to you that, that has gone on before you, and then this life they confess to believe that Jesus Christ was the Lord and Savior of their life. If Jesus is still in a grave, then their sins aren't forgiven, and they're not in heaven today. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, without the resurrection, your message, that this message we preach, it's meaningless. Your faith is futile. But let me show you what else he says. He says, without the resurrection of Jesus, your hope today is hopeless. Your hope is hopeless. Pick up in verse 18. He says, then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul says this, and the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of dead, they're linked together. They, they go together. You can't separate the two. And if Christ is still in a grave today, your hope today is hopeless. 
He says, all those, verse 18, that have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all most people, everybody in the world, Christians are to be the most pitied. You know, that, that word pity there, your translation may have it this way, miserable. That's what it means. That, that without the resurrection of Jesus, we're just miserable people walking. Now, you might sit there and think, well, wait a minute, hang on. If, if, if I place my faith and trust in Jesus, my life ought to get better, right? And, and yeah, you know what? When you place your faith and trust in Christ, you get some things in life. You get a peace that passes all understanding. You've got hope. You've got faith. There's a joy within you. But you place your faith in Jesus. That doesn't automatically mean the bank account's going to grow and things are going to be smooth. There's times I tell families this when I'm sharing the gospel with them. And so I'll say it this way to people. I say, look, you may place your faith in Jesus right now and your life may get harder for a time before it gets better. Why? because not everybody's going to like what you did. You may one day lose a job because you placed your faith in Christ. You may lose some friends because you're Christians. There's people in our parts of our world that, you know, if they get baptized, man, they may lose their life for going public with Christ. And, And you stop and think about that. If our hope is in one who said, I'm coming back from the grave, and I want, I want you to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, because that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm worth following. I'm worth this, because I'm the one that's going to save you. I'm the one that's going to beat death on your behalf. I'm the one, John 14 says, I'm preparing a place for you in heaven. And Christ didn't resurrect from the grave. Man, we're the most miserable people on the planet. Why? Because we're pinning all our hopes on something he said he was going to do that he didn't do. And you just stop and think about it. What gets you through the day right now? I mean, I'm, I'm looking out at some of you, and, and, and I know some of your stories. What's getting, through you, what's getting you through the day? Well, what gets you through the day when the doctor says the cancer's back? What gets you through the day when the boss says, here's your pink slip, you're done? What, what gets you through those hard times where the marriage looks like it's hard? Kids are out of control. You're stressed, you're anxious, you're worried, your body's breaking down and hurting. What gets you through those moments? What's the hope you're holding on to? See, without that hope of Christ that many of you have to get you through all those hard times, without Jesus coming back from the dead, all that is gone. There's no hope. There's no hope in this life. There's no hope in the next life. If Christ hasn't come back, that's what Paul's saying. Your message is meaningless. Your faith is futile. Your hope is hopeless. Now, at this point in the message, I'm just going to stop because you're looking at me like, man, I'm really glad I showed up today. (laughs) I mean, we got a whole section of family here watching a baptism. They're like, gosh, I came for this. Yeah. Some of you are online. You're like, I put on my best PJs to get on the couch. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm ready to click this guy off my YouTube channel and just go watch something else. Don't click off. If you've tuned me out, tune me back in. Because I know so far, this has all been bad news. But here's why it's been bad news. Because you need to understand the bad before you get the good. Because when you understand the bad, you see what's good. If all you ever want was good is you're not going to know what's good because you don't know what's bad. So you always have to have the bad before you have the good. And here's the good. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen? 
mean, that's the good news that Paul says, here's a world without him in the, you know, from the dead. But here's a world with him. Here's the world and what it looks like with Christ who has been raised from the dead. Verse 20, he's been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now that word fallen asleep there, it, it means who've died, who've perished. And Paul says that Christ is the first fruits of our resurrection. So you remember, your resurrection and the resurrection of Jesus are linked together. Those two resurrections always go together. There's not a separation. And Christ says, as a disciple of mine, your resurrection is possible today because of my resurrection. He's the first fruits of that. Now, the first fruits offering is where folks would bring a, a, an offering of the first part of their crop to the temple. And it was to say, here's what the rest of the offering is going to look like, that this is a guarantee of more to come. All right, so I'm giving you a first portion, and more is on its way. And so Jesus is that first fruit of our resurrection, saying, because I live, more of you that are coming in behind me, Christians that are coming behind me, disciples that are coming behind me, you have a resurrection now. Now, how was his resurrection, though, different? Because if you know your Bible, or in the Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus isn't the first one to be resurrected from the dead. He's not the first one in human history to have a resurrection. Many of you may have heard the story of Lazarus before, right? Lazarus got sick. You know, Lazarus dies. Jesus comes a little later. He's there and, you know, there have a funeral. And here's the thing about Jesus and funerals. He, he turned a funeral into a party. You know, whenever he showed up at a funeral, man, it, it, it reversed its course. Lazarus has been dead for three days. He's in the tomb. And here comes Christ up to the rock. And he's tell you, roll that stone away. And he's about to call Lazarus back. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I, if I was Lazarus, if I'm arguing that point in heaven. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? Man, that, been, that guy's been in heaven for three days. Now he's got to come back and deal with high gas prices and inflation and this kind of heat? Are you kidding me? Like, I, I could see Lazarus, like, he's standing there, and Jesus is walking up to the tomb. He's like, no, please, no, no, no. Come on, Jesus, turn around. <laughs> you know, maybe this is another guy. Don't know, don't. And he hears that name, Lazarus, come forth. And he's probably still thinking, no, no. Maybe it's another Lazarus up here. Not me, not me, not me. You know, kind of maybe gives that one eye open. Like, is he talking about me? Oh, man, he's talking about me. Lazarus came back. Jesus gave him a resurrection. Jesus gave him new life. What happened to Lazarus? They had to do another funeral one day, right? I mean, seriously, they had to do another funeral. All the resurrections up to that point in the Bible, all the resurrections up to history at that point, everybody that came back to life that Jesus brought back to life, they still died. Had to have another funeral. What's the difference with Jesus? No funerals, right? Three days later, he rose again. He ascended to the Father where he sits now waiting to come back. He's still alive. He's forever alive. He's eternally alive. So he's that kind of first fruit resurrection for you. That that means this. Death doesn't hold you. The grave can't keep you. That when you die as a believer in Jesus Christ, I tell families this. That Romans 8 says, there's nothing that separates you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And that means death. Death for the believer in Jesus is just a passing from this life unto the next. I, I like to imagine it this way in my, in my life. And that, that person just closes their eyes this side of eternity. First thing they open and see is Jesus in heaven. It's just that quick. It's a blink of the eye. It's a passing. And Paul says that's the first fruit of our resurrection. That our resurrection is in Christ because he had a resurrection. We have a resurrection as believers in Jesus Christ. There's no separation in that. He says he's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Then Paul goes on to say this in verses 21 and 22. He says, for by a man came death, but by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Yeah, I don't know if you've had this happen to you recently or uh, but you may have purchased something. You, you bought a product, and when you bought that product, it said, you know, you got a 30-day money-back guarantee. You know, try the product out. If you're not satisfied, return it within 30 days, and you got a guarantee to get your money back. Some of you are going to know where I'm going with this. And, you know, you, you bought it, you tried it, you didn't like it, you brought it back within the 30 days, and you said, hey, I want my money back. And they said, okay. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know if you read the fine print, but we actually have a restocking fee. And so we're going to give you 90% of your money back, and we're going to keep 10% of that purchase to put it back on the shelf, right? And so it wasn't a full money back guarantee because there was a little fine print that you didn't read called the restocking fee. I'm going to read those verses again. And what Paul says is a 100% guarantee. And, and here's this. There's no fine print. There's no loopholes to what Paul's about to tell you. That what Paul's about to tell you in verses 21 and 22 is absolutely true. There's not any loopholes or restocking fee out of this thing. He says, For as by man came death, by a man also comes the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. So also in Christ, all shall be made alive. You and I, we're in Adam. We're part of that human race. Because you're born, you're born with a nature to sin. You know, have you ever thought as a parent, you never had to teach your kids to be jealous? You never had to teach your kids pride? You never had to sit your kids down and say, you know, let me teach you how not to share, right? If some of you are confused by that, just go help out in the kids area for a minute. You're going to pick right up with me, right? Why? Because we all have a nature to sin because we're part of that human race. We're in Adam and we've all sinned. The Bible says Romans 3.23, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And because we've sinned, we've earned death. And that death we've earned is a physical death. That death we've earned is a spiritual death. That's the wage in which we've earned. A wage is something, if I hired you to do a job, you did a job, I paid you a wage. It's what you earn. Because we've sinned against God. We earn spiritual death. We earn being separated Him for all of eternity. That's what we earn. 
But the good news of the gospel is that God loved us so much, he sent Christ Jesus into this world to take all of that sin we earn upon himself and all that punishment we earn to say, hey, if you're in me, there's not any of that death business. There's life. And so if you come to me, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. It says in John 10.10, I came to give life and life more abundantly. So now when you come to Christ and Jesus, I want to be in you. I want to place my faith in you. Yes, you are going to have a physical death, but there's no spiritual death. Now there's spiritual life. And that's what the Bible says in John 3 when he told Nicodemus, you got to be born again. You have to have new life. You have to have new spiritual life. That's what Jesus gives us. So let me say it this way. In Adam, there's death. In Christ, there's life. So let me ask you this morning, where are you going to be? You're going to be in Adam? Say, hey, I don't need you, Jesus. I don't want you, Jesus. Let me tell you, if that's your decision this morning, this is as close to heaven as you're going to get. And that's what the Bible's going to tell you. If you say, hey, Jesus, I don't want you. I'm going to do my own thing. This life that you're experiencing right now, it's as close to heaven as you're ever going to come. Because what awaits you for all of eternity, and we're going to go over this more next week, but what awaits you for all of eternity is hell. It's being away from the love and the presence of God for all of eternity. And so if you want to stay in Adam, that's your future. This is the best hope you have. But if you come and say, no, Jesus, I want hope in this life, and I sure want hope beyond the grave, I'm going to be in you. Then you as a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? This is as close to hell as you'll ever experience. Because in Christ, there's hope beyond the grave. Because in Christ right now, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. But because we live, we have a tomorrow forever with him. And so let us bow in prayer to, together today. It's right where you are. I'm going to invite you to make that decision. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? Are you going to be in Adam? Or are you going to be in Christ? Here's the guarantee that Paul says that in Adam, there's death. In Christ, there's life. And the Bible says you need to choose. And the day can be that day of salvation, whether you're in your home watching this whether you're in this place right now, you can say yes to Jesus, that Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to know hope in this life, and I want to know hope in, in beyond the grave, that Jesus, I, I need my sin forgiven, and I'm ready to follow you. Even this morning, that's the decision you need to make. So I'm going to invite you to pray right where you are. Invite you to pray in your homes. Invite you to pray in this worship center. Some of you, many of you, your hope's in Jesus. That's where you are. Your hope's in Jesus. You could say right now today, dear God, thank you for saving me. Thank you that I get to follow Jesus, that death's not the end of me, that I have a hope tomorrow and I have a hope for all of eternity because of what Christ has done. That's many of you today. And that's a course of celebration. I'm going to ask you to pray two things. For those of you that have that hope in Christ, I'm going to say, ask you right now, will you pray a prayer just to adoration? Say, Lord, thank you. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me this life in Christ today. 
and for all of eternity. Would you pray that? Would you also pray right now for somebody you know that doesn't have that hope? Maybe it's one of your four by fours. It's a friend that you've identified, a family member, a, a neighbor, a coworker, somebody that right now today you can take before the throne of God and say, God, I want to say thank you for loving me. I want to say thank you for this salvation you've given me in Jesus. But Lord, this person, and you fill in that name, boy, they need you. They need that hope that I have. They need that forgiveness that I have. Would you pray on their behalf? As you're praying, let me talk to you for those of you today that say, I'm ready to be a believer in Jesus. Just like Emma, you said, I, I'm ready to follow Christ. Just like I did in my house at 14, just like many of you may have done in a church or out on a ball field or wherever it was where you made a decision in time where you said, I'm ready to follow Christ. I'm ready to be in Jesus. And what the Bible says is you place your faith, your trust in him. You realize that it's only Jesus that can forgive you of your sin and take you to heaven when you die. And the Bible says just what we said in Romans 10, 9 and 10, you believe that in your heart and you tell God. And so I'm just going to voice a prayer that you can pray along with me today. And if that's what's in your heart and your mind, the Bible says that when you place that faith in Christ, you call out to him that you're saved. You can pray something similar to this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm ready to turn my life to Jesus. I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus today. I believe he died on the cross for me. I believe he rose from the dead. Today, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Father, I thank you. And Lord, I pray this morning as we hear this message, we adore you in our hearts celebrating that our Savior is alive and that we have hope today and we have hope tomorrow. Father, I pray for those folks that have been prayed, prayed for, those names that have been lifted up. Lord, we ask that you will save them, that, Father, they will become believers in Christ and have their today changed and their tomorrow forever changed. Father, we pray today for those that are in this room, those that are online, that may have said yes to Jesus for the very first time. It was this moment and this time that they were born again. And Lord, we want to celebrate with them. We want to encourage them and, and just come alongside of them and, and just let them know what that new life in Christ is. And we thank you, Lord, that you are still in the saving business. And Father, we pray that uh, in just rejoicing in the Savior we have in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.